0: In the year 2003, the entertainment world was going through a shift. Reality TV shows were the new craze. The boy band era was coming to an end, leaving room for genres like hip-hop and R&B to take over the charts. And of course, Britney Spears was kissing Madonna at the MTV Video Music Awards. <laughs> but 2003 was also the year that an underground hip-hop band named the Black Eyed Peas took their music to the mainstream audience for the first time. And alas, began the reign of one of the best-selling music groups of all time. From hits like Where Is the Love? Shut up, Hey Mama, and Let's Get It Started. Join me today as we go through the era of Elefunk with Apple D-App, Will I Am? taboo and fergie the black eyed piece hey everybody my name is michael kadosh and i'm here to welcome you all to planet 2000s a place where we celebrate pop music's most iconic moments from the most iconic decade in pop music history let's dive in Hey, you guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Planet 2000s. I am your host, Michael Kodosh. I just want to thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. We're going to be doing a little bit of a double whammy this week. I'm putting out an episode on the Black Eyed Peas, which is the one you are listening to right now. And of course, I'll be doing an episode on Fergie and her solo record, which was all around the same era. I figured it would be great to put them out at once so you guys can get the full experience. And without further ado, let's get started this week, all right? So this week, we'll be talking about the Black Eyed Peas' third studio album, Now, you may be wondering why is Elefunk not the first album? I thought Elefunk was their first record. Nope, it was not. Elefunk was their first mainstream album, but in fact, the Black Eyed Peas had been around for years before that album even saw the light of day. They just had a different lineup. It was still Will I Am, Apple Diap, and Taboo, but Fergie was not in the mix. Instead, there was a lady by the name of Kim Hill who did a lot of the background vocals, and she sang on a lot of the hooks for their songs. The first two albums were titled Behind the Front and Bridging the Gap, and they were released in 1998 and in 2000. They were signed to the same label that they released Elefunk under, but the sound was a little bit different. It was a little bit grittier, a little bit more raw and a little bit more hip-hop versus the sound that we got to know them for which was more mainstream in terms of kim hill the story goes that essentially she was a part of the group after having met them backstage at a bmi showcase in 1995 and the rest is history she was signed to Will william's label i am music because Will I Am had always been behind the scenes and he had always been producing and he had always been in the business side of things but he wanted to be you know The star, you know, with the Black Eyed Peas. So he brought Kim in to kind of do the singing parts for them. They performed on Soul Train. Eventually, she got her own solo deal. But that never came to light. And instead, they merged the Black Eyed Peas into Interscope Records. Once there was a new label in charge, they tried to completely change the image of the group. So we're talking now at this point, it's 2001. Jimmy Iovine is going to the Black Eyed Peas saying, you know, you guys really have the ability to appeal to a mass audience, but you guys need to change your look and you need to change your sound. Kim Hill has gone on to say that they tried to sexualize her image and the image of the Black Eyed Peas, what many would call selling out.
1: How we were looked at and received by people and being purist which is why once the once it started the pressure started coming to like soften it up and make it super commercial it was like we're not really going to do that are we and the guys were like you don't have to go back to east la if this doesn't work out it just started to get clumsy and messy you want me to grind on Will I Am in a bathing suit. That was being asked of me, never by the guys. That was happening as a, from an executive level. How far out on this plank do you want me to go? The tug of war was about my sexuality and how much of that I was willing to, like, literally strip down. I never wanted to be objectified while doing my music.
0: Kim obviously was not happy with this and she didn't want to do this. And so she quit the group. Lo and behold, two years later, they replaced her with Fergie. And that is the quartet of the Black Eyed Peas that we all know and love today. Apple Diap, Taboo, Will. I. Am, and Fergie. The four of them definitely have uh, chemistry and a spark when they perform together and their sound. And there's a reason why the world really adapted to Fergie because there was something about her voice and about her image that people really, really enjoyed. You know, the thing with the Black Eyed Peas before this era was they definitely had a lot of fans but they weren't mainstream right so a lot of their fans from that time were kind of turning on them and they were like oh you guys are selling out and the black eyed peas definitely faced a lot of criticisms about that but all in all they wanted to perform on a more global scale and they wanted to be bigger stars and so they did what they had to do and it was successful for them
2: well we added a new member fergie female singer to be able to uh, to um, take away from you know we we rap. So when you hear the singing on top of it, it, it makes it a lot more uh, tasteful. Um, not that it wasn't tasteful before, but now you have Fergie. Visually, people, females feel like, wow, I can relate to that. We have dancing, break dancing. We have a B-Boy Crumbs, who's one of the illest B-Boys from the Style Elements crew. We have a live band, four-piece band. meet and- a lot of hardcore... Fans would go like, well, maybe they're selling out, or maybe they're getting too pop music, or. But again, you guys always have been advocates of hip hop lifestyle, right? Um, we yeah, the thing about us is um, we still haven't changed who we are. The, the people are still the same. It's just more people are knowing about us, and if that's pop, more than it's popular. We have a message to send, and if uh, millions of people are listening to it and appreciating it, it's a good thing. And I just feel like it, it's about time. It was timing for us because we had three, two records previous to Elephant. And uh, now is our time to shine. And we put in our, our work with uh behind the front and bridging the gap
0: so the album Elefunk was released on june 24th 2003 by a&m records it peaked at number 14 on the u.s charts but it did actually sell 3.2 million copies in the u.s alone and 9 million copies worldwide this was the first time that the group was credited as the black eyed peas for the previous two records they were just black eyed peas this is also the first album that features fergie it reached number three in the uk sold 1.6 million in the uk which is five times platinum and essentially became a world worldwide phenomenon. Now, fun fact is, before Fergie was asked to be in the group, they actually tried to get Nicole Scherzinger in the group, who as we all know, became really famous for being a part of the Pussycat Dolls, but her boyfriend at the time didn't want her performing with Will I Am. Fergie was chosen and it introduced a new pop sound. Now, Rolling Stone magazine in 2002, once Fergie was hired, covered the whole change in the lineup, and they said in quotations, "The Black Eyed Peas have hired a blonde bombshell named Stacy Fergie Ferguson and gave up their pursuit of backpack rapper credibility. They have made a kind of spiritual practice of recording futuristic songs, a total aesthetic commitment that extends from their garish." wardrobes to their United Colors of Benetton worldview. This is Rolling Stone stating at the beginning of their transition of what was to come for the Black Eyed Peas. However, nobody could have realized how successful it would have been.
1: Not to sound preachy or anything, but I mean, I think God works in weird ways. And yeah, it's like, it's like right when I started getting my life together and, and, and moved back home to my mom's and, and really started writing and, and and just figuring out who I was at that point. And, and what I really wanted to do and all of my dreams and, and really saying, okay, this is what I want to do. And going for it and taking that risk and and the living right, that's when this whole thing happened, started happening. You know, they were at the top of my list of people I wanted to work with. Con, you know, coincidentally at the same time they needed a singer for Shut Up. So it all happened for a reason.
0: So there were four singles released from the album Ella Funk. They were Where Is The Love featuring Justin Timberlake, Shut Up, Hey Mama, and Let's Get It Started. Starting with Where Is The Love, which was the first single released from the album, it was their breakthrough pop hit. It was their first major hit, their first song to hit the Billboard Hot 100. It ended up peaking at number one in the UK and number eight in the USA. It was a top five hit on radio, and it was pretty much played worldwide that entire year. It was one of the songs of the summer of 2003. The song was inspired by the generalized anxiety that the members of the group were feeling following the 9 11 terrorist attacks. Well, I Am goes on to state in an interview On our last day of the recording sessions in San Francisco, as I was packing my equipment, I saw the first plane fly through the World Trade Center. I thought it was a film. Fear of driving back home, you know, going over San Francisco Bridge, that 10 minute drive across the bridge felt like an hour. The lyrics of the song are quite obvious in nature. They are about poverty and world issues, racism, injustice, social injustice in general, and really just to create a very positive message of awareness for the world in a time where everything was kind of feeling like the world was ending, you know. I was very young when 9-11 happened. I may have been six years old, but I remember the shift in society, and I remember everyone feeling stressed and anxious, and that was really a big change in the world in terms of our fears. This song really captured that. Justin Timberlake helped write the song he sang on the the hook on the chorus Taboo who was one of the members of the Black Eyed Peas introduced Justin Timberlake to the group and Justin ended up writing and recording the chorus of the song however there were some issues when they were trying to release the track Jive Records which is the record label that Justin Timberlake was signed to at the time did not want to let them release the song with a fear of Justin being a little bit overexposed because at this time Justin was going solo from NSYNC and he was in the midst of the promotion for his first solo studio album Justified he was going on tour with Christina Aguilera. He had a hot hit, Rock Your Body, Crimea River, where he famously took advantage of Britney Spears, but we do not even need to talk about that right now because this is not a Justin Timberlake podcast. This is a Black Eyed Peace podcast, and I promise to be objective, but yes, no, not happy with Justin Timberlake. Anyways back to the Black Eyed Peas. A compromise was made between Jive Records and A&M Records, which is the Black Eyed Peas' label, where they wouldn't have Justin in the video or credited in the actual song, but he would be present in the terms of vocals. Now, the Black Eyed Peas obviously were really stressed about this because they needed that big star for their first major single because they needed it to cross over. Even without the credit and without Justin in the video, the song stuck and it became a huge hit. And it ended up actually being re-recorded in 2016 in the wake of the presidential election in hopes of bringing awareness to more social injustices that were happening and unfortunately are still happening
1: look and point the finger and try to blame somebody else but I think for me where's the love it's like look inside yourself first try to change that first and then let's talk about everybody else because what people tend to do a lot of times is blame and blame and, and really as human beings if you really break it down to you know the bare bones of it it starts with us as human beings inside and the evils inside of us create bigger evils and if you start within yourself, you can make a difference in maybe one life, two lives. And if everybody does that in a perfect world.
0: <laughs> the success of the song led the Black Eyed Peas to actually be able to open for Justin Timberlake and Christina Aguilera for their 2003 tour. Thus being their biggest audience that they were ever performing in front of. Because before this, they were only ever performing in front of small clubs, maybe small theaters, but never to major arenas to the level of Christina Aguilera. So this was quite a big moment for the Black Eyed Peas. And obviously, with Justin being on the song, and Taboo actually went on to say that Britney Spears and the whole breakup with Justin Timberlake actually impacted his writing for the song, of course, because boo-hoo Justin, always writing about Britney. Sorry, guys, I did it again. Um, (laughs) But no, all this to say, it was a great song, and it was the start to their big mainstream career. It's a beautiful song. If you guys have never seen the video, it's actually quite incredible. They have all these flyers that they put around the entire city with these question marks saying, where is the love? And every single rapper in the group has their own parts that they wrote. It's it's a beautiful message and it is one of my favorite Black Eyed Peas songs. If you guys haven't seen the video, definitely check that out.
2: We actually had the opportunity to record one of our biggest songs, Where's the Love with Justin Timberlake in this room. And uh, we spent about eight hours Six hours we spent talking, because he had just broken up with Britney at that time. So we spent the whole time just building on the personal level, right? And um, he went in there and knocked it out. And when we heard when we heard it back, I was like, this is the one. This is the special one. This is the one that's going to do something, right? You said that you knew that that was the one. I knew. All right. I knew because when I heard that hook, it was so infectious and, the you know, Will's verse, and my verse, and App's verse, and at that time, that's when 9-11 had happened. We wanted to, to do something and, and provide therapy for people that needed it at that time through our music and through our performances, and, and uh, this song really worked out for us.
0: I just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know where you can find me on social media. I am on Instagram at Planet 2000s, or you can hit me up on my personal page at Michael Kadosh, C-A-D-O-C-H. If you guys want to talk about some good old pop music or just reminisce about some good times, then make sure to hit me up there. I'm also on Twitter or Facebook at Michael Kadosh. Back to the pod. The second single released from the album Elefunk is actually the single that brought Fergie into the group. So shut up if you guys don't know the song. I'm sure most of you guys do, but since I can't play it, you know, I'm just I'll do a little ad-lib for you, you know. Shut up, just shut up, shut up, shut up, just shut up. Oh, no, no. uh, uh, uh. Yes, that's right. I'm basically a vocalist. Hire me for American Idol, y'all, because where's my record deal? (laughs) But, you know, all all joking aside, Shut Up was a great song. When I was a little boy, I was obsessed with that song because I was like, oh, my goodness. Because, you know, in Where's the Love, Fergie didn't really have any solo parts. So I, I was thinking like, oh, this is a nice song that Justin Timberlake is singing. But who's who are these people? And who's this girl? Like, she wasn't even singing. And then Shut Up hit, and everyone was like, oh, that's this girl. Fergie, Stacey Ferguson. And we obviously later came to find out that she was a child star. She was in the show Kids Incorporated when she was young. She was in the pop group Wild Orchid from the late 90s. We'll talk more about Fergie and her whole backstory in my Fergie episode, which is posted today, so you guys can definitely listen to that after this. Or if you already did, then you already know the backstory. (laughs) Fergie was brought into the group. Because of this song. The Black Eyed Peas at this point were already working on Ella Funk, whereas The Love was already being recorded and pretty much almost done. So when they were writing this song, he knew that he wanted a female. So he tried to get, Will I am, as in he, <laughs> he tried to get Nicole Scherzinger to be a part of the song. At that time, she had just left her group Eden's Crush, which was another mini pop group similar to that of Wild Orchid. And Nicole at the time, I guess you know, it's gone on to say that she was in an abusive relationship and her boyfriend didn't allow her, you know, she was in a bad moment at that time. To be with Will I Am. So they ended up going with Fergie. The rest is history. Once they settled on Fergie, he ended up loving her performance so much that he brought her on as a fourth member of the group and essentially brought to life a whole new fan base for the black eyed peas and a whole new group of attention because let's face it whenever there's a woman in the group you're gonna get the attention of everybody because women are freaking awesome <laughs> women are awesome and just like in no doubt Gwen Stefani you know she got all the attention because you know everyone wants to look at the, the girl with the beautiful voice and so that was Fergie fun fact about shut up it was actually influenced by apple diap and taboo's girlfriends who kept calling them during the recording session interrupting the session and Am was like yo we gotta write a song about these annoying girls." <laughs> And it inspired the lyrics of the song and all their little relationship problems. The song was a huge hit, it hit number two in the UK, and it went platinum in the USA, which is quite amazing. Hey Mama was the third single released off of the album. A fun fact about this song, aside from how fun it is, it was actually the first song that was ever featured in those famous silhouette commercials that we remember from the early 2000s or mid 2000s for Apple iPods of everyone dancing around and whatever. Hey Mama was that first song and it actually really helped the group because it brought them to a national audience. And furthering this exposure, they released the single Let's Get It Started. This was probably the second biggest single off of the album, after Where Is The Love, of course. One of my favorite things about the track Let's Get It Started is the fact that it actually interpolates part of the instrumental bass of Wannabe by the Spice Girls. I obviously can't play both songs, you know, for copyright reasons, but if you pay attention to Wannabe and that, you know, dun, 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 like, you know, that kind of, and they have that in Let's Get It Started, but it's more like, dun, I found it very clever, the way that they used that sample and made a whole different pop sound that had a little bit more of an R&B and hip-hop groove to it. The single wasn't actually supposed to be a single, fun fact. Originally, it was only reworked for the NBA playoff promos in 2004, but since the new version was so well-received, it ended up being released, and it became one of their biggest hits, hitting number four on the US Radio Songs chart and winning them a Grammy for Best Rap Performance by a Duo or Group with vocals in 2005. Something that they went on to say that they were extremely proud of because, you know, it was their first Grammy. It's,
1: it's definitely the most prestigious award you can win as a musician or an artist. I mean, it's like the Oscars of music. And so winning this is, is a huge deal, I think, in any artist's life. Taboo was particularly wrapped.
2: You know what's funny is, like, it took me a long time to get my actual Grammy, and I, I sleep with it on the side of my bed like a weirdo. Every morning I wake up, I'm like,
0: yeah, we did it. Reviews for the record weren't all that favorable, and if you look back now, I believe that it also had a lot to do with their shift in sound, because they had... Like I said earlier, very loyal fans that were very in love with their hip-hop sound and the fact that they were doing pop music. You know, the critics didn't really take too well to it. Entertainment Weekly, for example, had a pretty negative review of the record in in which they say they tried dancehall, salsa, even new metal, but the biggest offense for a once smart-sounding rap collective is Where's the Love, the horrifyingly trite single. It's enough to make longtime fans wonder where are the peas. Yikes. And even the Rolling Stone magazine, or Rolling Stone magazine, as I should say, called the album Cliche and and Preachy with their lyrics, and MTV Ready postering Float atop meticulously detailed production. Ironically, however, it's that less inspired material that may finally earn their group their breakthrough hit, calling them uninspired, which is so crazy to me because Where's the Love is such an amazing song and so lyrically beautiful and socially conscious. They were actually asked about these new reviews and the shift in their sound in an interview around that time. And here's what they had to say about the haters.
2: Um, Um... I'm in. No, I don't care, cause uh, my motivation is is what what speaks for me, you know. And uh, less inspired, I'm I'm so inspired than ever before, you know. Uh, so, so that that doesn't. Well, and then of course the people uh, who reply go like, well, I have to disagree. The album is hot; it's very vibrant. At the same time, also level of intelligence. Uh, it goes on just positiveness. So I mean, some people can be wrong, right? Yeah, I don't take um, take it too heart what critics think, because there evidently there are people that wanted to be musicians, but couldn't do it. So now they gotta write about musicians and criticize them because they couldn't make it. They couldn't do what they what we're doing. But to be able to travel is a thing that kind of like two shades all that shit. Okay, while well, you make fun of us, I'm in Amsterdam getting interviewed. And with, you know, seeing our shows uh, being sold out uh, it doesn't add up to me, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> Obviously it didn't do, too, didn't do too much to their confidence because they ended up selling 9 million records of that album and Where Is The Love is, to this day, their biggest hit, even after every success that they've had. So congratulations to you guys at Black Eyed Peas. Never listen to the critics, to be very honest with you, because usually they don't even know what they're talking about. That being said, you guys, it has been really fun going through memory lane with this album with you guys to be honest with you growing up i didn't really own the album i didn't own the cd i just knew the singles so me diving in for this episode i got to actually take a listen to the full album and you know i really saw why it was so successful it was quite innovative and while there were obviously controversies in the idea of them being quote-unquote sellouts they really did create an amazing product it made some really great music that does stand the test of time so you know you have to give it up to the black eyed piece for that With that being said you guys have yourselves in amazing day if you guys want to hit me up on instagram at planet 2000s or at michael Kodosh, you guys can do so and we can continue the conversation all right i'll see you guys next time bye